Hello, what's up? Reinforced Running Podcast. My name is Rich Ryan. What is up? Today we have Mark Falcone. Mark Falcone is an entrepreneur, a gym owner, and an elite hybrid athlete and coach. So we do a lot of talking about the entrepreneurial side of things and how the ups and downs that Mark has gone through while opening what is now a successful facility in Westchester, Westchester Pennsylvania called iCore Fitness. And really what it was like kind of building it and uh, and everything that he's learned throughout that. So if you're interested in the business side of fitness, Mark is someone who I look up to a lot in that space. So he had a lot to share. Then we talk a little bit about training, what it was like for him to kind of get into this hybrid, hybrid aspect and kind of what he's been dealing with on the injury side of things and, and kind of battling back. So first 40, 45 minutes or so was about the business side. Then we kind of get into the fitness side a little bit later. So I think you will like it very, very much. Mark's my guy. Really enjoyed this conversation. So let's get to it. Mark Falco. All right, Mark, my guy. So I'm excited to have you on. I've known you for a while now. We got to know each other pretty well. And I think when I first kind of you came on my radar was because of just some athletes who, who attended ICOR and they spoke really highly of you. And I think shortly after that, you won that race in Ocean City, right? Correct. Yep. Yeah. That was, uh, was that, what year was that? Ooh. It was the only year they had an elite heat, um, maybe 2018. Yeah, I think that sounds right. Because that's it's it was like a stadium, but without the stadium, right? Yeah, right. It was dead flat on the boardwalk and on the beach, which was actually pretty cool. That's my kind of race. Yeah, yeah, you would have crushed that. <laughs> no, no stairs, no, no like tight turns, just like straight running. Dead straight, some, out and back. And some stations. Uh, but since then, you've gotten to the deck of space. You have a couple, uh, at least two elite podiums there. And uh, so there's a lot of ways that I, I want to talk about, um, a lot of things, a lot of directions I, I want to go with this. But first, one thing I really admire about you is the, the business person that you are. And you kind of had some uh, like early, you're like an early adopter to this Ninja Gym OCR space. And you created a, what, what is seemingly a successful business for i So why don't we just start there? And, and what made you want to start a gym like that? And like when, when did that all happen for you? All right. Yeah. Um, so about 2012, I'd say, um, I was working a job that I hated. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm always, I've always been like passionate about entrepreneurship, um, as well as I had gotten into, um, Spartan racing, um, uh, Ninja warrior came on the scene and I wanted to train for that. Um, so I was doing, and I also did like some parkour, like acrobatic type stuff back then, which now I'm scared to death to do. Any <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I would. I was going to like four different gyms to try and get like all these modalities in, and um, and I just had this like idea of like, what if there was a place where you could do all of it under one roof, um, and kind of have this like multifaceted, um, all-encompassing like obstacle course, ninja warrior, gymnastic style um, facility, and uh, that's that kind of where it all started. I started talking about it, and um, yeah, it took me a few years to get it it turned it into reality, but, uh, it all came to be. And we were pretty much one of the first in the country to start a gym like ours, um, which now you can find them pretty much all over the place, which is awesome. In most metro areas, right? Like you can yep. go, uh, you know, within an hour of basically any majorly populated area and you can find them. You're doing, wait, so you're doing parkour. Cause you were, your real background is what skateboarding. Yeah. Yeah, so out. skateboarding was like my first passion. I did that for about 12 years, um, rode for a small like local company. Um, and then, yeah, started getting into more of the like acrobatic type 
crazy stunt stuff and turned into getting into running. So the obstacle course racing kind of just like was like the perfect mesh for me. So like parkour is kind of skateboarding without the skateboard. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> just decided to drop it and get after it. <clears throat> so like, well, I think about that sometimes and like, maybe if I can create this, this thing that I think would be needed that there might actually be other people like me, but for something that's so specific like that, were you, was there ever a point where you're like, is this a terrible idea? <laughs> like, oh, yeah, does, yeah. Anybody wanna, does anybody want this besides me? Yeah. So that was kind of the, the, the biggest risk, I guess I'd say um, going into it. And uh, you know, like anything, uh, like I said, anything like for me, I have to be passionate about it. And I was so passionate about it that, um, you know, I kept talking about it. Pretty much all of my friends were like, this is a terrible idea. <laughs> Even my parents were like, you're out of your mind. And I'm like, it, it can't fail. Like, how can it fail? Right. But at the same time, I'm like, I didn't have much in life at this point. I had a job that I didn't like and I wasn't married, don't have kids. Um, so I was like, I have nothing to lose. Might as well just go for it. What and was your job then? I designed and installed geothermal systems, which sounds technical, but basically I was digging holes in the ground. <laughs> you didn't like that? No. Uh, so then when you had this idea, right? Like, cause you know, we talk about this sometimes and like how our businesses are, are different. Like there is much less risk on my end in terms of the, the, the biggest thing I gave up was like a steady paycheck with a regular job. Right. And like, that's, that's a risk sort of, but you can always get another job. But when you're looking to start something and there is some like associated cost, right. So it seems like the overhead is like pretty scary. Like when you had to, and I know there are some people who, listen to this who are either gym owners or aspiring gym owner, gym owners. And to me, that would be like the main drawback from starting a facility. I'd be like, well, what if I can't make this money back? And like, what, what, what happens? So like, what was that process like in terms of like yeah. starting it all? So when I was like, when I built the, um, the business plan, um, I, I started looking at numbers of like what Spartan race was bringing in tough mutter. And like mm. back in 2013, um, you know, Ninja Warrior started getting super popular and I started going into like their financials and seeing how like the sport has was trending at that point, um, like hundreds of percent a year. Um, so it was just growing super quick. And my thought was like, OK, if there's like a million people doing this type of racing, there's got to be like 300 <laughs> that are close enough to us that would want to participate in a, in a facility that you can train specifically for it. Um, however, I was kind of wrong from the get go. Um, when we opened the doors, it was like crickets. So I definitely had that moment of like, oh shit, I'm fucked. And uh, <laughs> we got to the point where like, it was like down to pennies left in the bank. And uh, we had we had our first like birthday party. Um, so we went more in like the entertainment side. And uh, we had like 20 kids in that, I ran that, it went great. And then all of a sudden 20 kids turned into 20 birthday parties because they all wanted to have their party there. Mm -hmm. and, uh, so from there, our like event side just like escalated. Um, so the, the like adult training and the, the biggest part of the business that I'm most passionate about, um, which I've kind of been able to scale over the years to where I, I only run the parts that I kind of enjoy, to be mm -hmm. honest, um, is the obstacle course racing kind of OCR team that we have, um, which is a, it's a very small, tight knit group of people, um, mm -hmm. but we're all super passionate, just like you and, and everyone else in this industry. 
Um, so that's like the fun part, but we also, we, most of our revenue comes from like birthday parties, summer camps, um, team building events, corporate events, uh, and then like, uh, like open gym drop-ins on the weekends and such. So do you think that in terms of like sustainability, because like, it seems like you kind of pivoted, right? Like when you opened the business, it probably wasn't, I'm sure like you told the banks probably what you were just telling me, like, look how these sports are growing. Like this is like this, this many people see it on TV and like this and that we'll get people in here. that want to train for it. But then the, the birthday parties were really what kind of set it off. And it must have been like this light bulb moment. Like, Oh, okay, cool. Like I can make the part that I'm passionate about work by funding it with this other piece. Do you think it is a sustainable model to just train adults or just train people like you or I and have a facility that's just for like OCR or the competitive aspect? I do. I think so. Um, again, our facility is like uh, just under 12,000 square feet. Um, so I don't think it would be sustainable, at least in our area, with like the pricing of real estate and whatnot. Um, I don't think it would be viable with the amount of overhead that we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think if you kept it like small, tight knit, you know, like a studio type gym, I, I think you can make it work, especially with like hybrid fitness now getting growing. Um, I think there's going to be a lot more people that want to be in gyms. Um, just specifically to train for these events. A lot of the, like, what I've learned, a lot of the, like, weekend warrior, Tough mutter, Spartan people, like, they don't they don't want gym memberships. They just want to be out in nature right. hiking and carrying crap up a hill, you know? Right. Um, so that was kind of where I was like, oh, okay, like, the, these people are super passionate about this. They think the gym's awesome. They come in once or twice, and, you know, they're like, I, I need to train for a Tough mutter next week. And you're like, Cool. <laughs> I can have it. Because <laughs> uh, that's but, yeah. So a lot of people like in the Spartan Tough Mudder type, like weekend warriors. Um, a lot of them seem to not gravitate towards gyms as much as um, I think in the hybrid fitness. It's kind of that's where you have to be. Mm-hmm. So I think if anything, it's just going to keep growing from there. And again, I might have to pivot again. Right? Yep. It's, it's like okay, OCR. Like mate, and like I talk about this a lot. How it's. I thought OCR was hybrid fitness when I first started OCR and it's, and it's not right. And like, and as soon as I kind of realized that I, I took, I went away from the gym to go run and run in nature, joined like a rock climbing gym and like basically running and rock climbing is what you need. You know, like you can get the obstacles and like, but the obstacles that you guys have are like technical ninja warrior type obstacles that really at a Spartan race or something like would help, I guess, but it's not necessary. You know? Yeah, ours is because we're like multifaceted. We have um, obstacles. We have a lot of obstacles from like Savage Race, a lot of mm-hmm. obstacles from Spartan. Um, but like our main rig is mostly all like two scale uh, obstacles from the show Ninja Warrior, which would be a lot more, a lot more like difficult, um, dynamic, a lot more yeah. technical. Yes, correct. You had a cheese board, right? What'd you say? You had cheese board? Yeah, we got cheese boards. <laughs> did you just Google that? Or like, how did you find the I, cheese board? I, we find all sorts of crap. I found it on a, uh, it was actually on like a Ninja, like a Ninja Warrior site. Oh. I forget the name of it. But uh, yeah, it was like they sold obstacles and it was it was on there. Um, yeah, I guess they sold it to be used like the traditional way versus the um, Savage Race, like turning it sideways. They're not really made to be that way. <laughs> I can't believe those things haven't broken. Dude, like- they, they bend like crazy. <laughs> Do you hang it like the savage way, like the yeah. horizontal? Yeah, we do both. I mean, we'll move it around. Yeah. But that's that's basically why I got it because Savage started making these crazy rigs, and I'm like, all right, let's keep in, incorporating that stuff. Uh, yeah. So we've got like Wheel World, Anchors Away, the um, Gibbons. Oh, you do um, have the Gibbons? 
exploding monkey bar things. Yeah, cheese boards. I just keep like slowly keep adding more and more like obstacle course racing obstacles into our ninja gym. <laughs> So are, the ninja, are the ninja people like what? Yeah, like they're like, where did this come from? I'm like, don't worry about it. It's fine. It'll, it'll, ninja, work. Right? it'll, it'll play. Yeah. Uh, you've recently affiliated with uh, DECA, right? Yep, correct. And like you had most of that equipment. I think you needed a skier again and a tank. Yeah, we had to get the tanks and I needed the ski skiers, but everything else we pretty much already had from our OTR classes. And you guys have had one event, you got a DECA mile coming what day? Uh, August 7th, I believe. So anybody in the greater Westchester, Pennsylvania, greater Philadelphia area, get out there. It's going to be yeah. good. It's going uh, to be a good time. So how do you, how do you foresee that kind of playing into your business? Are you counting on it like for growth or is it just something that is supplemental for the members that you already have? Yeah, I think for our, our business, it's the, the biggest part of, they're the biggest, I guess, um, motivator for me affiliating with them is one, just to be more a part of the community um, that I'm super passionate about um, and to help grow this thing. Um, but also if, if I get one person that comes to the gym from somewhere else that is like, holy crap, I never knew about this. You know, one one new member makes the whole thing worth it mm. uh, over the long run. But uh, I for us, with the like expense of the equipment, I think it's it's a couple of year payback, in my opinion. If you with host, the actual events yeah if you host two or three a year um but then once you're once you've paid all the equipment off i mean the events are just more so like fun mm-hmm. um, for us one of my fears that deterred me in the beginning was that all these events have to be run on weekends and weekends is where our bread and butter that's where we make all of our money on we'll run like 10 birthday parties on a weekend so um but then i when i built out because of covid we built the turfed area out back and got like shipping containers that house all of our equipment. So we run during the warmer months, all of our adult classes are run out back um, on the turf area. And uh, being that we have that, I can run a DecaFit event outside, which is even better for the running portion of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we can still be running parties all day inside. So it's kind of a win-win, just an added revenue stream for us. Has the stuff that you had to do for COVID, like it sounds like it's been beneficial because that seemed like it was horrible. Yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. I mean, I, there was like any, like any one of us in the industries that got shut down, um, you know, it, it was scary for us. We got shut down for like th- for three, four months um, and we were able to open back up. And then a week later got shut back down for another yeah. month. And uh, so that the second shutdown, I was kind of like, we're just bleeding money. Like uh, rent didn't go down, like nothing changed from our expenses. We're just like, just burning cash. Um, so there was like a bit of time where it was like, honestly, really depressing. And I was like, dude, I spent my, the last like six, seven years of my life building this thing and now it's going to crumble. And it wasn't even because it was like, you didn't even screw it up. Yeah. Yeah, It was like, it was going great. Um, and we had, we had taken out uh, a loan to start the, to start the business. And, um, we had just paid that off like right when we got shut down, (laughs) So my plan was, which was great. But my plan was to take that money and bring on some more like full-time staff so that I could kind of scale myself back, take more time to myself and not work like hundred hour weeks anymore. Um, so that kind of set us back financially where I, I couldn't do that because we had to take out, we had to take out more loans just to survive. Um, but like you said, the, we pivoted, we basically turned the gym into a school because all the kids were on online on cyber school. Mm-hmm. So we would just take kids in during the day 
and they would just do their schoolwork. And every time they had even like a 10 minute break, they'd be down, like doing obstacles, running around, playing on stuff, doing dodgeball and different, different games and whatnot. So it was, that was kind of a cool experience in that it really showed that like when you keep kids active, they are actually a lot more um, teachable and they, they pay attention a lot more and their huh. attention span um, seems to be a lot, a lot better when they are able to get those breaks and get the activity in. Um, so that was a, a cool thing that starting the, I, we called it iSchool, um, which uh, that was kind of beneficial. That helped us kind of keep the lights on, but it wasn't, wasn't really lighting the world on fire. But um, after that, building out the turfed area, um, it kind of gave me an excuse to go to my landlord and say like, hey, I've got to run classes to keep clients and I need, I need to do it outside because no one's comfortable being inside. And they were like, hey, go for it. So uh, we were able to get, like I said, shipping containers that house all of our equipment. We built like a, a huge rig out back with the turfed area. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that, that was, I, in, in the end, a huge positive for us coming out of COVID that now we have this additional space, which I love, obviously, like anyone, love being outside, love working out outside. And, uh, and you can't get that in like a traditional gym. So that is just another aspect that kind of helps us out in the long run. Because it's basically like a CrossFit gym that's outside. Yeah, is what, is what you yeah. have, right? Which is really like, cool. beach without the beach <laughs> in Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately, dude. I school, what a good idea! I don't think I knew that you guys made that that type of pivot. I mean, I would have loved to attend a school like that. Right? It was like full time. That would have been so much better for me. Yeah, we have kids. We had kids in the, in the program that um, when they uh, when they went back to school, they they were like more, not like depressed, but they're like, oh man, like bummed out because they had so much fun. Um, during our the way that we structured things, um, which was a lot less structured than most things that kids are involved in. That just makes sense to me, though. It's, right, right? it's like the energy that needs to be expelled for, for kids and just like making them sit and, tr- and like forcing issues. Shit didn't work for me at yep. all. No, and I, I hated school. I was, really, I was the kind of a kid that like did the bare minimum to get by because I just wanted to skateboard and be active. Um, so it kinda, it's kind of interesting building this business i'm basically just building like everything that i would have wanted when i was between 10 to 15 Mm. Um, and uh, so it's kind of easy when you're like all right what would i want at that age and it's pretty easy to be like let's just create this like utopia a big ass trampoline (laughs) yeah (laughs) huge trampolines foam pits rock balls like zip lines like all sorts of stuff the yeah that's um oh i had something crap well, the other, while you're thinking about that, the other thing that I think, um, you know, sets us apart or at least that helps the industry is because we deal with um, primarily the majority of our clients are in the like eight to 15 range. Um, mm. We're breeding like the next generation of athletes. So hope, hopefully if all goes as planned that as we grow, you know, those kids will develop, get older and then get into this like hybrid racing, um, OCR, ninja stuff. Is there a chance, like, what are, like, the way that I look at, even OCR, right? Like, if they can get into the, if they can speak to the youth, like, it can really influence the culture. And Ninja Warrior is something that seems to be doing that at a really high level, where Mm -hmm. it's taking kids who might have played soccer, right? And now they're doing Ninja Warrior instead. Do you think that would ever be in a school, like a school sport? Um, yeah, we've gone to schools and done events um, with some of our equipment and stuff. I think I think it could. Um, but I've actually one of the things that was interesting for us um, in our business that I realized 
we got a lot of kids that weren't involved in sports mm. that weren't really into like team oriented sports. Um, and a lot of kids, their parents would say when they came in, like he loves this, but he never loved anything before. He was just, mm. you know, couch surfing with the, on the phone all the time. And uh, that, and like, we've gotten a lot of kids with like um, Asperger's, like autistic that come in and, and they're, because we have so many different like aspects to the facility, they can kind of jump around here and go around here and like just get very like stimulated. Um, so we found with the kids that a lot of like non-athletic kids have become insanely athletic. Hmm. Um, we had one who worked, he ended up working for me for several years. So when he came in, he was probably 10 and uh, like not an athletic bone in his body, not, not to put him down, but he became an absolute, absolute monster. Dude, this kid was incredible. I mean, way beyond whatever, what I'll ever do in like the Ninja Warrior grip strength type stuff. And uh, he ended up senior year of high school deciding he wanted to start pole vaulting. Mm. And uh, he's, he has like the record in the state now within a year of pole vaulting and uh, is now pole vaulting for Penn State. Wow. Near college. But yeah, the kid, I think he pole vaulted like 1410, um, which is pretty high. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 14. I was thinking 12. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, he, he held some records for his school, and but it was just kind of crazy to see like how that tra- how it all translated to the sport that he ended up getting into. And that's something that's interesting, right? It's like how the difference between someone who might be naturally good at a ball sport versus someone who just might not have the the body awareness, and like you're kind of giving kids space to learn. It's essentially gymnastics, but cooler. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> well, thanks. Um, it's like <laughs> it, it is like gymnastics, but it's less. Like it's, we have structured classes, but we're a lot less structured than gymnastics. We're like, we like to let a kid be a kid. Mm -hmm. And it seems like, in my opinion, when you do that and you give them like, you know, some sort of structure and direction, but then you also let them go off and be creative and do their own thing. They seem to excel in my opinion faster. And again, that's just something that I wish that I had when I was growing up. Did you do gymnastics or anything? No, I wish. I I wish, I wish too. But I, I, I get what you're saying in terms of like the structure because gymnastics, it is like there, it's still kind of um, it's like more a qualitative measure, right? It's someone's subjective idea of how something looks, Mm. but you can still kind of like push people to teach them to do things that look good to most people, I guess, in terms of like the sport of gymnastics. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say where Ninja Warriors like get from here to here, and then they're like, there's, it's objective, right? Mm-hmm. It's that you just have to clear the, clear the obstacle and get to the next one. It doesn't have to look a certain way. It doesn't have to fit into this box the way that the sport of gymnastics has to, you just have to do the task. Yep. Yeah. I agree with that completely. And pole vaulting is kind of like that too. I think pole vaulting, it like shouldn't be an event in track because it is just so much different. It's, oh, gym- yeah. it's gymnastics. It's a ninja warrior. It really yeah. is. Yeah, I don't, I don't, it, that just scares the crap out of me to watch. I'm, I would never do that. <laughs> you would definitely do that. You'd be like, you, give me that pole. I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, so, on the, like the schooling, I remember what I was going to say, we're talking about like the schooling and, you know, how like traditional school, you just kind of did the bare minimum, got out, dug some holes for a while, and then mm-hmm. kind of got into this. So, like, what was it about the entrepreneur side of things that you knew you were going to be passionate about? Cause you mentioned that you're like, I knew like, I, I, it was basically like, it sounded like you knew you were going to start your own thing. It was just a matter of time. Mm-hmm. How did you kind of come around to that? Like what made you understand or realize that you would need to be doing your own thing? 
So I think pretty much like my entire life I've been that way. Um, I've always kind of had side businesses and like little side hustles going on. Um, so I've always been like into the business scene. I got that from, I think, from my father, who is an entrepreneur. Um, he started his own business when I was by the year that I was born. Hmm. And uh, so the first like 10 years of my life, I didn't really see him much because he was just a workaholic like crazy. It's quite a risk to take too when yeah huge risk he just had his third kid he bought a house that same year it was like all right gotta make this work kind of thing so i think i kind of adopted that mentality um only that for me it's again going back to the passion thing it's like i i have to be i have to be 110 percent in because i'm either like 110 percent or zero like there's no like middle ground i just like to either go like full speed ahead or i'm like you know paving my own direction um so i've kind of always just grown up in that like entrepreneurial mentality. Hmm. Uh, and then again, for, for this business, it was, I, I, aside from the actual like obstacles and like what the people that it brings in, as far as like from a staffing perspective, like I've always wanted to run a business so that I could treat people the way that I wanted to be treated hmm. in the workforce. Um, and that's been kind of an, an awesome, rewarding atmosphere of being able to, um, you know, reward people for, doing good, like when they're doing great and also like letting them thrive in, in an environment that's encouraging and very like very family oriented. So like most of our employees are all like best friends now, which is kind of cool. Hmm. Along those lines, I, sometimes I think about, cause right now, you know, where my business is and I think I have this entrepreneurial drive similar to yours. I don't think it was all kind of like part of my upbringing by any means or like that it was something that i felt like destined to do but it's more along as we talked about before the way that school is really structured and when i'm within this structure i feel boxed in and when i'm like when it's opened up i feel like i can do more you know like and i'm not like held to a certain standard like whatever this whatever i feel like i'm able to achieve like that's what i'm gonna be able to do i just seem to work a little bit better from that structure but like what you're saying in terms of kind of when you're building a business and being able to treat people the way that you want an employee to be treated, how you would want to be treated. I think about this sometimes. And as, as businesses grow, like some of these systems that are seem to be widely adopted that lots of companies have, they're kind of there for a certain reason, right? They just kind of work better or, or for whatever reason, it's just like proven to a certain method. Have you come across that where you've been like, Oh, I, my idealized version of how I want this to look is actually not as practical as like the traditional shittier way. Of doing it. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, there's some aspect, I guess it's kind of like a happy medium. I I'm very like laid back with my people and you know, what I've learned is like, you have to be able to like read certain, um, you know, personality types and kind of mold how you, you know, um, react to things or create things, you know, based on the type of person that you're, that's working for you. Um, for instance, like some of our guys are like very entrepreneurial as well. So they're like very money motivated. Mm. I have other guys that like I could pay them $200 an hour. I could pay them $25 an hour. It wouldn't make a difference to them. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're just there to do crazy shit. Um, so, uh, you know, learning the different personality types and then kind of adapting how you, you know, um, engage and and work with the, you know, our team is just kind of always like a molding process. But for me, I've. I think one of the one of the downfalls is being like too relaxed where mm -hmm. when I hire someone for like if let's say administrative stuff, I'm like, just just screw up everything. Like I don't care. Whatever. We'll figure it out faster that way, right? And it works, 
but for some people it's like overwhelming where it's mm-hmm. like you're throwing them into the fire and, um, and they don't realize that I'm like, I'm not like going to be upset if something goes wrong. Cause I expect it. It's like, it's part of how I you know, want people to learn um, <laughs> just by doing. And they're probably, could you, could you just tell me what to do? Yeah. And some of them just told me what to do. Yeah. Some of them do great. And I, I recently had one that uh, I hired and, and she was like, so overwhelmed day one. And I was like, dude, like, we're just like a fun atmosphere. <laughs> yeah, just look around. Just like a deer in headlights. <laughs> luckily, yeah, luckily she stuck around. <laughs> yeah. Do you, I get, because I mean, coaching similar to that, right? Like what, what I'm doing and uh, to see how different people are motivated and, and what kind of drives them. Uh, and to a point, I, like there's different ways where I've tried to figure it out. Usually it just takes time to because sometimes the athlete might not even understand what is motivating them or why they want to do the thing that they do or you know what mental barriers they're running into either like in workouts or or in races it's not a one-size-fits-all just like how you said it's different employees are gonna need different things do you just ask them now or do you just wait and see because i've 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 played around with both things yeah i think a little a little bit of both but more kind of like just stay in the background and kind of watch how they interact with people and how they do things and then try and like build your systems around, you know, what works best for them. For us, like um, all of our staff, like all of our staff is awesome. I've been like very lucky with having like an insanely uh, awesome group of guys and girls that have really made the business what it is. Um, but they all, it's funny because they all have like their own little niche um, that they'll gravitate towards. And um, some are more in like the management, like personality, like, you know, being able to deal with customers, deal with people. And some of them are like more like just strict, like personal training, just one-on-one. Some are more like large group oriented. Mm-hmm. And then you have like your specialists of like the, the parkour guy or like the ninja guy um, or the OCR guy, which I try to be. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, so they, everyone has like their own like little niche that they fit into in our business, which is pretty cool. And they can kind of, and they can kind of carve it out themselves. It sounds like. Yeah, exactly. You give them the space to to explore wherever they need to be, and once they're there, it's like cool. Yeah, you can, you just do this now. If they're passionate about what they do, they love coming to work. It makes your life a lot easier for sure. Instead of making a parkour guy run the OCR classes, it's like I, don't, yeah, right. I could care less about this stuff. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, there are some, and I, don't, I wonder how much, like how the landscape has kind of changed since COVID for people who might want to run a facility. Cause I think that's something when I first got into fitness, I thought like, man, that'd be really great. I'd love to have uh, like a facility piece. And that was before I knew myself very well as an entrepreneur or just as, even as like a person. Mm-hmm. And now I know it's like, I would be really bad at having a facility just cause like, I'm not really dialed in with just like the like fine details of, of yeah. Like of, of that, there's so much going on that it's hard for me to like. I need the more more big picture stuff, um, but a lot of people are would aspire to do that because you're so into the community. It's like you can kind of really influence people on a one on one and on a community level. So if like people are aspiring to to be a gym owner, do you have any like canned piece of advice that um, that you kind of dish out? There, I mean, like any business, it's if you're passionate about it. To me, it's it's viable. Um, the biggest thing is just, again, being like 100% committed and willing to do whatever it takes to make it work. I mean, mm-hmm. when, uh, when I started the gym, uh, again, I had no expenses. I didn't even, have, I didn't even have a house to live in. I was living in my parents' basement. And, uh, and then when I started the gym, I ended up living at the gym for a while <laughs> until I could actually afford like a place to live. So, 
luckily we have a lot of mats, so it was pretty easy. Um, <laughs> pit. Yeah, right. Um, but I think it, it, like figuring out for if, if you're an entrepreneurial type person into like the fitness space, um, I think one of the biggest things to figure out is like what your end goal is. Um, for both of us, like I, I think we've talked about here and there, like our businesses are very similar from an entrepreneurial standpoint um, and like from a community and relationship standpoint. Um, but one of the big differences is like you can up and move to Colorado if you want. Right. <laughs> um, versus when you have a brick and mortar business, you're pretty much like you're stuck there. And um, so what I've been slowly trying to do is, is build the business to where it's more so like not passive income, but more so that I can kind of scale myself out of it mm-hmm. and be able to travel and like do and or, and or start something else um, and still have it like running itself while while still putting in all like the background work um, versus like if you just start a personal training one-on-one type studio, um, you know, you're, when you, when you get a client one-on-one face-to-face, um, you know, you can't really scale that business. You want, you can only have so many clients for one. And then two, um, you know, you can't just hire someone else and be like, Hey, now this is your trainer. Cause they, they're there specifically for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one thing that I've learned, like, I don't really want to do, to be honest. So I kind of just outsource all of our one-on-one personal training for the most part um, and just do like a split with the, with the trainer. Um, And like, so I I love, like I'm very relationship oriented, but again, I still want to like figure out the lifestyle that I want in the long run and sort of build towards that. So I think that would be like the biggest part of like trying to figure out like which direction you want to go is try and try and understand like what you're, you know, what you want to, what you want the future to look like as far as, you know, being able to be flexible or, or just flexible hours, um, you know, different things like that. Cause now at the point where you are, where it's been almost 10 years of, of this gym, you said it was 2013. Yeah. Well, we, that was when I had the start of the business plan. It's been eight years that we've been open. Since you've been open. So eight, almost, almost 10. We'll say yeah, almost 10. we're getting there. So, but it, it's, it's working and it's going to work. Like you figured it out on a couple of different levels, even just what you said. It's like, I know I can be the personal trainer for 10 hours a day. So I hired trainers and like brought people in that we could work for them just so like, and that's kind of another pivot. Like you, you needed to make money. So birthday parties and camps and this and that. And now it's to the point where it's going to work. You know, you got through COVID it's working. So I feel like if anyone who got through COVID, it's pretty much your, you're like, it was like your bulletproof. You went through hell and um, yeah. It, I think the biggest thing is again, being passionate about it. I think when you lose that, like businesses like ours, they start losing like that value. And I think the the sense of like community that we create and the relationships that we kind of have is where is what retains customers. So in scaling, it's making sure you have the right people that have the same kind of the same Mm -hmm. passion and the same, uh, you know, energy for the business um, to keep that, um, that culture and that atmosphere going. Mm -hmm. So I guess I'm trying to figure out how to ask this best where like you've gotten through it. Right. And when you first got into it, you were like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to make this thing work. I'm going to live here. I'm going to spend every hour that I can like working on this thing so that it's going to work. And now you're at the point, like it's working, like I said. So now it's like, there are other, do you feel like a drive to see what else you could do and what else you could start because i mean as a first time entrepreneur philopreneur whatever like you have to put everything in Mm -hmm. and think like if like 
I'm going to do this for forever. <laughs> you kind of have to have that mindset, mm-hmm. but it might not necessarily be true. So do you have like the, so I guess like, yeah, do you get the drive now to try to do something else? Yeah, I think um, I, I get, not that I get bored of things, but I, I'm just always trying to be creative and like, you know, reinvent myself in, in what I'm passionate about and what I want to do. And it's kind of like the, the fun adventurous part of the business was like, taking that huge risk, taking on a ton of debt and then just like grinding it out, making it work and proving that you could come up with a concept that didn't exist that now is its own like living, breathing entity. And uh, so we're at that point now where I'm like, I love it. Like I'm still just as passionate about it. Um, But I'd like to, um, again, where I want to go in life, like especially financially, um, I'd like to be able to get the business to where I can still be involved, but also I could, you know, go start something else and go grow something else, um, whether it be in our community or somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's one of those things that I, I, I don't think I could live without it. So I always want to be a part of it. But at the same time, I do, I do have that like drive to do more. What do you think, what do you think is next? Like in this, in the space, like, cause you were kind of on the forefront of this and, and it, it doesn't necessarily and it wasn't necessarily like you predicted this trend. It was like, hey, I think all this stuff is cool. And if I think it's cool, maybe other people will think it's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you kind of struck gold on it, or at least you were you were right that other people would be into it. Do you see it? Do you see anything or is there anything that you're interested in in terms of like this kind of market that you think is going to be the next the next thing for gym owners? Like what's the next thing that's going to pop up, right? Um, again, I think one of the, bigger things in the, in the like adult atmosphere is this like hybrid fitness thing. Um, I think that's, it's really cool because you're basically like the, the race is basically in a gym for the most mm-hmm. part. You know, yeah. It's all machine oriented and, and it's all stuff that you can only get in the gym. Um, you can't go out in the woods and, and find high rocks <laughs> to train. <laughs> you know? For Spartan race, you, you, you really can. I mean, 90% of it's running do some pull-ups and then you're there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that hybrid kind of blends like um, the like uh, OCR and as well as like, if you took CrossFit and OCR, put it in a blender, you get hybrid fitness out of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's going to be like a cool uh, ever growing part of the industry. Um, and then again, I think from like the Ninja Warriors perspective, uh, I believe we have enough gyms around the country that are doing very similar to like what we have going on um, that even if like that went away, I think kids are still going to be super into, um, you know, the ninja type obstacle courses and stuff like that. Yeah. Do you think so? The hybrid fitness piece, even if, you know, DecaFit or Hyrox went away, like it's still a really good like sound system for training for a lifestyle, right? Like being, having cardiovascular fitness and muscular fitness and just like being able to kind of have it all blended together. Like if you wanted to get jacked, you probably could, if you wanted to get ripped, you probably could, you know, it's like, it makes sense just for training. It's just like working out where like if Spartan went away, if you're just an OCR, like you'd probably take a hit. So you think if Ninja Warrior, the brand went away that you'd still be, that, that it would still be a, a, a viable option. Yeah. I think that was, again, when, when we first started, there was no gyms, it was two in the country, but they were basically like in like garages. They're very small. Um, not to discredit them. They're also nice to go all the time, but I had this vision for like a more grand, like 
build everything out of metal and steel, um, you know, get everything fabricated like like it is on the show and just li- literally replicate everything indoors. Um, just because when I was watching the show, I kept saying like, oh, I think I could do that. I think I could do that. But like, there's nowhere to go do it. Yeah. Like you just you have to be one of the hundred people that gets selected to go on the show to try it. Um, so I think building the atmosphere, you know, to scale and making it legit um, kind of set us apart from the beginning. And now I feel like there's I'm on the board of directors for the National Ninja League. Hmm. Uh, and so like my, my job is to approve gyms as they apply to be a part of our league. Um, so we've approved probably 300 gyms now. Wow. And now we're now we're um, we're actually approving gyms now in other countries. So we're like worldwide now, which is pretty crazy. Huh. Um, so I think even if like Ninja Warrior, Ninja Warrior as a TV show, as like a reality show went away, there's still now like the sport of Ninja Warrior. Um, whereas like in the in the beginning, the first like couple of years, I'm like just praying to God that this show doesn't go away. <laughs> right. our, our bread and butter was like kids that watch the show and then they find us on Google or Instagram or Facebook and then they're like addicted to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, my fear was like, if the show goes away, like all your marketing has gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but now I, I don't, I don't think that's the case at all. I think we basically developed our own, you know, sport. And it's like, if it did go away, it would create some sort of vacuum for someone to come in and fill, you know, yep. someone would be just like, all right, we're just going to tinker with this and change it a little bit. I think that's the same with Spartan now at this point, uh, at least for a couple of years, I think it could yeah. s- succeed without it. Um, so from, let's talk about you as an athlete. Ah, oh boy. <laughs> so like you have a lack, pa- lack of lately <laughs> lack of lately. Yeah. We'll talk about that a little bit, yeah. but um, your, your, your story is interesting and I think it's it's similar. I think it's relatable to a certain extent, but it it, it also kind of parallels the way you are and the way you kind of went about uh, your business. Like when you first started getting into running, it was later in life. And what was it like the second run you ever did? You did a marathon or something? Yeah, I um, so I yeah I I had uh, yeah I had battled like some depression earlier on and and whatnot. And I went out one day and I ran a mile, and I was like I felt that like endorphin rush and whatnot. And I was like, dude, I feel great. Like, that was awesome. So I thought, like, all right, if one mile feels good, like, a shit ton of miles must feel more amazing. 30's got to be better. So, yeah, my second run, I was like, this is cool. You can actually, like, go places on foot and, um, like, places that most people would drive to. So I ran to the next state of, like, closest to ours. So I ran from Westchester, Pennsylvania to Delaware just to see if I could cross, like, a state border. It was just, like, kind of a stupid goal. And uh, I did it. I got there. Um, and then I had to call a friend. I was like, yo, dude, like, I kind of went too far. I need you to pick me up. <laughs> what are you in Delaware? And I was like, actually, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, that was kind of stupid. But uh, I didn't, yeah, I didn't learn um, the traditional way, I guess. I kind of just like full sent everything. Just the entrepreneur way, just diving in, hoping yes. it works. <laughs> so I started out, I got into like 5Ks and started getting like, you know, just chipping that, chipping away at times and trying to like see how fast I could possibly get. Um, but I didn't have like a running background. I never had a coach. I was never, I never ran in school or college. Like, like a lot of the, you know, you guys, the pro, more, more pro athletes, if you will. Um, I, I would just go out and like, I'm like, I want to get better at 5K. So I'm going to run 5Ks every day. <laughs> like, it just, it works to a certain extent, to be honest. Um, but then once you get, once you start getting down in times, it's like you have to obviously, um, you know, program accordingly. 
Um, so I went to five K's and then I decided like people do marathons. So like, I don't really want to do 10 K's or marathons. Like a lot of people do this. So I went straight to ultra marathons um, <laughs> from five K racing. So it was kind of like, I'm just like, I'm going to be a Jack of all trades. And, uh, and that was wild. I, I made it like, I did like a 75 mile run, um, with no training except for running like a few five K's. And, uh, and that was awesome. But the, uh, the like crash afterwards, like I'm no Chris Roglowski. I don't think I could walk for like three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> So I was like, I can't do this every day. So I stuck to more short course stuff. But um, but I've done a few like ultra marathons just for the fun of it. Because you seem to have this ability to uh, suffer more than others, right? And it's almost something that you seek out at times when it comes to to, yeah. your, to your training and just like the and even like the races that you like, right? Like you've kind of gotten into like uh, more of the high end stuff where you can start to suffer sooner. Because, I mean, that's, main, that's the main difference between short races and long races, right? Like, you don't yep. suffer for as long as short races, but you suffer much quicker. Like, in, a, in a, a, an ultra, you just kind of wait for it to come. And when it gets mm-hmm. there, you just have to deal with it for a longer amount of time. But in a DECA, like, you could be suffering in, like, 10 minutes. And then you got, like, 20 more minutes to deal with it. Um, yep. why, why do you think you have that? Like, what is it about your personality that you can just sit in something and just deal with it? I think it's, like, the uh, – well, one, like, the like competitive mentality of, like, I'm not going to lose – um, when I first started running, I would go to like planet fitness and get on the treadmill. And I'd look at like everyone on the treadmill. I'm going to go faster than anyone. And I'm not getting off until everyone else gets off. And like, there'd be times where like, I'd be like, is that guy playing the same game? Cause this is getting ridiculous. Like, <laughs> and, uh, so like, just, I think that like that it kind of gamifies things and, and just makes it more fun. But also like, I, like I said, I'm like 120% or zero. So when I got into racing, it was just like balls out. Like I got this, uh, <laughs> And then just die, like, and then holding on for dear life. Um, and as I've worked with you and gotten older, I've, I've learned that that's not like the best way to pace a race. <laughs> um, my first race was 2013 Palmerton. Mm. And uh, I, like I said, I've been running like road 5Ks, so like pretty much dead flat 5Ks. And I remember looking at, um, I don't know if it was Athlings at the time or what, what it was. I remember looking at like people's times and I'm like, this is like a five mile race. And these people Super are slow. I'm gonna crush these guys. <laughs> I could do that in half the time. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to sign up and I'm going to like crush this course. And uh, I remember getting to the start line. It was like Jung Young Pack, um, maybe Hunter. Like it was a whole bunch of like the best. I think Hobie might have been there. It was like the best in the sport. And I had no clue who any of these people were. So I'm like, all right, I'm fit. I can go out with these guys. And I remember we went out straight up the mountain and I'm like redlining within like three minutes. And I'm like, all right. I'm not as good as these guys. Maybe I'll go for like top 10 and then like 20 more people pass me <laughs> cramping up at the spear throw, like just completely untrained for it. And uh, I think I finished like 50th place, maybe even worse. <laughs> but, uh, but that was like the whole start of it where I'm like, okay, there's a different type of training that goes into doing this type of sport um, rather than just like running road races. <laughs> so were you like just in, in running in general, like where you were kind of coming from, more of a uh, an extreme sport type of background or like the, the parkour type of type of thing where it's not it's not really it's not that similar right until you combine the two and you get ocr right. what, what is it about the endurance piece in the training that you like um like what, what what spoke to you about it i think again it's like the i don't know if an adrenaline rush would be the right thing right word but it's like that like extreme oriented of like 
pushing yourself to the brink of what you're capable of doing is what kind of, I think gets me off in the running aspect. Mm. Um, yeah, that, and like just the overall, like being, being fit and being able to move in, in life faster than the average person is, is kind of the goal. <laughs> yeah. Cause I guess there are many sports like that, right. Where it's just, there's no real limiters to pushing yourself as far as, as far and as hard as possible. It's like literally just you, there's no tools, there's no skill. It's just like, yeah. there's, I mean, there's a little bit of both of those things, but really not that much, right. When yeah. it comes to pushing and seeing what you, what you're, what you're made of. And is that what it is? Is it what you're capable of or how you com- compare to other people and, and like the competitive aspect? Uh, I think what I'm capable of is more what I want to, what I'm like, what I search out and seek. I think, um, again, in talking to you about it, it's like, I was never on a team. I was never like coached traditionally. Um, so now like we're working with you and, and being around the people that have that experience. I think for me, it's like, where is my ceiling and, uh, and can I find it and can I hit it or have I already hit it? And I don't know it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's been interesting to like, kind of go after that and see what like I'm capable of getting to, to, uh, for myself. Yeah. I think about that a lot too. It's like, why are we still chasing this? Yeah. What are we doing here? And I think it is a lot that, right. It's like proving it to myself that I am capable of doing what I think I'm capable of doing. Exactly. Or at least pushing my chips into the point where it's like being okay with, with the outcome that, that I ultimately get at the end of all of it. Um, yeah. But that's the thing with this, that there's always something else, you know, it's like the perfect, having everything executed perfectly is going to be really challenging to do (laughs) to get like training, go perfect, have my mindset right in the right spot. Everything is exactly how it needs to be. So get me to this place, but there's always something, right? Well, what if I did this next time? (laughs) What if I tried this? Uh, It just seems like a never ending battle to the point where it's like, I think I'm just going to have to go out on a stretcher. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and, and like one of the things that draws me to this sport like you know you have some sports where you could be you could be professional in the sport and and your longevity is three to five years mm-hmm. at max mm-hmm. with with ocr the cool thing is like we have like all different body types all different ages like um it's a mixed gender sport it's just it's it's cool that like you can start out at 18 years old or like 60 years old and you see both on course, which is the longevity of like being able to compete um, in, in a sport longer than most sports, in my opinion. For sure. For sure. And like you can, it's not like, it's not like a fast twitch. Like you said, like not like football where like you need to be at like the highest end ability. You can't be run down at all. Um, or someone else will take your spot. It's like, you could just. Right. Like you the end of the night thing. Yeah. The other nice thing about it is like, you know, uh, that being said, like where, you know, you hit your peak and probably what, like 30 of like speed, of top end speed and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then like, as we get older, like that, that's the only part that kind of goes away, but the endurance part doesn't. So in my opinion, like for my future, what I envision is like try to stay towards like the short course, super fast, you know, high heart rate, adrenaline pumping races as long as possible. And then as like, as that speed starts like diminishing, then you can start transitioning into just longer duration races. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it just makes the longevity of your time in the sport even that much greater. You haven't done a 24 hour race, have you? I did. That was, did. When, I, that was when I did like the 75 miles. Oh, okay. Um, I, yeah. I, I 
I think I capped out at like 18 hours. My body just, <laughs> I sat down. That was my problem. I couldn't. <laughs> I shouldn't have done that. Would you do a world stuff fest or anything? Yeah, I've thought about it. I, I still haven't done one, but uh, yeah, probably. That's where I see it going after, like, I'm, I'm not going to do that for the next couple of years, but maybe after the fast yeah. stuff is done. Exactly. You might as well. And that's the thing. You just pivot and go after the next thing. So maybe it's never going to end. Nope. So, so you've been, so what were you like 26, 25, 26 when you got into running? Um, when, when I started the business, I was 27, but when I got, I got into running, no, uh, I was probably 18, 19. Oh, okay. So it was like right after, okay. So that's when you guys started into it. Okay. So you've been running for a while. I thought it was Mm. less than that. Got Mm. it. What was, what were some things for that when you started to really kind of learn it, that was a real helpful, not having any type of formal, like structured training or like an education on it. Do you remember anything that was really kind of a light switch moment for that to help change your running for the better? Um, I think like for me, it was, I just read a lot of, I read a lot of books, mm. which I don't do enough reading at all, but I got super into running and reading like, um, yeah, a, a bunch of different books, 80, 20 and like barefoot running. Um, Dean Carnazzi's became like kind of a hero. Um, mm. He's known as like the ultra marathon man. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's just interesting. The science of like some of these, athletes and how like their body just is able to flush lactic acid at like a for for days <laughs> it's like kind of cool learning like the the science a part of it but yeah i think most of my education was just coming from you know being online reading what other people are doing um and whatnot so more just like diving in yeah and wanting to be a student of it and and just like seeing whatever information is out there yeah learning about like cadence and pacing and and foot strike and all that stuff was like new to me. I, I wonder where it's going to go to. Like, it seems like the things that have changed the game the most recently has just been like footwear um, yeah. as, in terms of uh, actual training methodology. I wonder what's going to change next. I wonder, Cause there's going to be something, right? Yeah. I don't know. I think, yeah, the shoe thing is interesting because like how far can it go? Is there there's got to be like a limit to it, right? Well, yeah, the putting wheels on it, it's like Yeah, so the World Athletic, they actually put a uh, a stack a ceiling on the stack height. Yeah. So the foams might get better still, but it can't you can't stack it any higher. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'd be on stilts anyway. I don't know how they should Dude, I I got a pair of these Adidas Prime X. Have you heard of the have you heard of those? I don't think so. So World Athletics, they put a, a cap on the stack height of 39. That's what yeah. the Alpha Flies are, uh, 39 millimeters. The Prime X was just like, screw it. We're going to see what happens. They did one with 50 mil- millimeters, and they put two plates in it. And oh, wow. So they're actually illegal. To, those are, are illegal. So you, they, you can like qualify for whatever. But like you could run a tempo run in them. So I got a pair just to do that to see what <laughs> like. <laughs> and they're insane it's actually still it's like i don't think i could do a turn at all like if i was on a track i don't think i could make a tractor how'd they how'd they help on speed though oh they feel amazing they they, they feel like the alpha flies do you have a pair of super shoes at all yeah well i i have the like pro too um i love them modest they're not like crazy no and the i've i've i had the next percents um but they just did my foot didn't like oh yeah you told me that yeah, I don't know why. It's random, but it didn't work for me. Speed-wise, they worked great. They're amazing. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, if, even the the Primex one. Well, the the Alpha Flies are funny because they're really narrow, like in the middle, you know, and yeah. you kind of like dump over the side of them. But they work. Yeah. So you hurt your back recently. Yeah. Not even recently. A, <laughs> yeah, not even recently at this point. So it's been what, about six months. Seven. Yeah. Seven months at this point, and like the the kind of process and battle that you're going through is something that unfortunately seems to happen more often than not it seems like where there's almost no real answer from a traditional medical perspective and it just leads to incredible frustration right yeah. so what how has it been dealing with that like we like you've been told that there's been some disc stuff and that you know you might need surgery this and that so what exactly did they tell you I'm not much. I mean, uh, MRI showed like three annular tears in, uh, like three of my discs in my lower back. Um, and then like degenerative arthritis, which like most people would show that in an MRI past like the age 30. So a lot of the stuff that that's interesting when I take, when I got my MRI and I would go to like a spine specialist and they'd be like, yeah, like, you know, we see this, it's very common. Um, and a lot of times people don't have any pain from it. And I'm like, so then is that not where this is coming from? <laughs> it doesn't make sense. And they're like, eh, it could be, but might not. But I'm like, okay, great. So uh, yeah, I did like the whole like gamut of like injections and whatnot to try and pinpoint exactly where it's coming from. And the, the last uh, surgeon I was at was like, all right, I don't want to see you again because we've already done everything. And uh, you've done physical therapy for six months. You've done like chiropractic for six months. Um, you know, acupuncture, uh, sports massage. And then I'm going to these doctors like every week. It was just wild. Like I was doing everything I could to try and like figure it out. And uh, it just seemed like everything was like a dead end. Um, so I've got one more like specialist that's like an out of the box um, wizard type doctor <laughs> that uh, I'm hoping can can kind of provide an answer for me here next month. But um, as you know, I kind of just like got to the point where I was like, screw this. Rich, I hate you for programming so many damn assault bike workouts. <laughs> and uh, I'm sick of the damn bike. I've gotten really good at it, but I hate it. Um, I want to move. So I just like started moving again. And uh, slowly, I feel like it's I'm somehow oddly feeling better than I have been the past six months. So we'll see where it goes. But uh, but yeah, it's definitely frustrating. And, I, and I, I'm very like humbled by or I guess I can appreciate, um, you know, being healthy. Um, mm. versus like people that have these kinds of injuries where it's like, okay, your, your career is done. It's like, that's just, to me, that's not, um, that's not an option. So I've been very optimistic that like, I know I'm going to get back to it. Um, it, it, it does suck getting like out of shape and feeling like terrible. <laughs> but, uh, but I think again, that, that comes back muscle memory and whatnot. And I think, uh, you know, I think just kind of, again, going back to that same attitude of like, I'm not going to lose this. <laughs> I'll be back to it. And I'm too passionate about it. And it's too much like um, my, my lifestyle. And like, I've realized like coming out of not being able to compete for a while, it's like, it, it was kind of like my identity in a, in a sense. So it's kind of also allowed me to like, look back and be like, all right, there's more to life than just this one thing. <laughs> um, so it's kind of been, you know, humbling and, and, uh, and I can appreciate the sport more when I get back to it, I think. Cause yeah, you mentioned that there's almost like a level of acceptance, right? And they kind of gave you that option of like, mm -hmm. all right, well, we can do this surgery and it will probably screw you up for forever. 
but you went, might not be in pain, but you probably can't do the stuff that you want to do. And so I'm sure there are, there's a there's, you know, sometimes there's people who are back to a corner who don't have the option, but you kind of did are like, well, I don't accept that as the, the treatment of, of what's going on here. So I'm mm-hmm. going to just kind of keep pushing forward. When you think about like, if you're out for a run, cause you've been doing a lot more stuff recently, like running and uh, just some, some different functional stuff. When you really think about it for a long time, like, what do you think it is that is making you feel better? Or like, is like, what do you think has happened? See, I have no idea. And that's the weird part. And, I, and like, I mean, I might, I might go out for a run after this and then feel terrible. So we'll see. But, um, but the last couple of runs, I'm like, I don't feel, I, like I can feel pain, but I'm, I can get through it. Like it's not, not bad. Whereas um, like when I, the last deck of it, I did, it was like five minutes into the race and I was like legitimately on the ground, like in excruciating pain. And, uh, you know, I wasn't going to let Yancey down. So I finished, but I was, <laughs> I was basically walking the course at that point. Um, I can't believe you finished. Yeah, so that, that was like debilitating. And, uh, uh, you know, it was that kind of like, no matter what I did, as you know, like I took, I took like four months of like no running at all. And then I would like try to go out for a run and it's like, like no difference. So I got to the point where I'm like, well, I'm not making it worse. It's not getting better, so I might as well start moving again. And uh, and I'm it, I kind of have like that mentality of like, all right, like my brain and my body are two different things, and my brain is like, you're fine, and my body is like, no. <laughs> and I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm gonna listen to my brain. My body can just deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> might not be the right approach, but that's where I'm going. And I mean, at this point, you're almost out of options. Might yeah. as well. Like you try to do all the traditional stuff and and try to make yourself feel better and lean on other people to, to help you get there at this point. It's like, let's just see, (laughs) let's just see what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, so you're, did you feel like that any, cause I'm, I'm not ever sure like with this and I, I talk about it with athletes I coach from time to time. It's like making sure that other outside factors of, of the outside stressors are accounted for so that, you're in tune with what's happening just like globally, right? Like if you're ever having a hard time at work and then you're feeling injured or whatever, is it because and you're feeling run down? Is it because of the stress at work or is it because of like the physical part or just a combination of both? Have you noticed that with this back thing? Like when like things are at an elevated level in life, it hurts more or is it, or is anything like that at all? Is it just kind of random? I don't, I, that's a good question. I mean, it could be, uh, it definitely, like I I'd say with the business, it is, there is a lot of stressful components to it just from like a liability standpoint, mm. but I've had that for eight years now. So I'm like, if anything, I've gotten more relaxed and more comfortable over time. So I don't, I don't feel like that's the case, but it definitely, I mean, we, it's one, one, one possibility for sure. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see how it goes forward. Like in what, if anything triggers it, like if it, or if you're just better now. <laughs> so are you planning on, you're planning on racing? Yeah, I'm going to try. We'll see. I'm, my goal is, um, you know, to just start working back in some, you know, anaerobic stuff here and there um, and just see where that goes. And if I'm, you know, if I'm not, if I'm able to get through those kinds of workouts, pain, at least somewhat less pain where I can actually complete it. Um, then I, yeah, I'd like to go after um, another DecaFit here in Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, I was planning on just taking the year off at this point, just because I, I, if I'm competing, I want to be competitive. Um, but at the same time, like most people, it's like having a having a race on the calendar just kind of motivates you that much more to 
to put the hard work in. And um, so I think if anything, it'll just kind of refresh that like passion for racing and being involved in the community. And those events are like so much damn fun because the energy in a DecaFit race is the most energy I've ever seen in any type of race, um, just based on the layout and how like you can see every station and the festival area is like really like the kingpin center point of the whole thing. So it's just a really good atmosphere and good energy and, and very motivating, um, especially with Yancey's crazy banter. Um, so I think just being involved in it and being a part of it uh, kind of helps me mentally to like mm. stay in the game mm. um, versus like, I think the longer you stay out of it, the more you're like, okay, let me just transition to something else that works. And, and I think for me, it's the challenge of making this work and is now my goal. And you can still push yourself as hard as possible, even if you're not in peak shape. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm again, like I'm, I'm competing to compete against myself. So right. I'd like to, I'd like to work towards like bettering um, the, my, my times in DecaFits, which is, which is why one of the things I really like about DecaFit is it's more measurable mm-hmm. uh, and high rocks as well. Um, whereas, you know, every race is unique in, in Spartan uh, or Savage race. Right. So you have to like, it, you have to more take like a mental approach. It's like, when did it suck in a Spartan race and did I keep pushing versus like having everything dialed in on a deck of fit and having like exactly. a plan. Where you're like, why did my ski yard suck this time? Like, did I, I mean, I, I need to work more on this, this, and this, you know, right. it's like, it's a lot more measurable. Um, which again, it, to me, it, it kind of combines like the CrossFit and like obstacle course racing into like this hybrid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you got New Jersey, which is soon. Yeah, I don't have much time. <laughs> <laughs> and when did you say the Decamile is again? Uh, August 7th, I believe. August 7th. So that is like two weeks before. Yeah. The, so you got a couple of those coming up. Um, so make sure to be looking out for you there. And uh, just one, other, one last thing, like leaving another – last entrepreneurial stories what's like the best experience you've had with the at his gym and then like maybe not your worst but what's a what's a, a rough story that you had to go through as an entrepreneur as a gym owner uh um <laughs> i think so early on it was like in the first couple of years of our business when i you know we started molding into more of like the the kids aspect of it and um the i had one kid that came in uh one summer and he was like didn't really speak he was like very autistic, like highly autistic. And uh, he started like climbing around in the gym. He'd be like over on the rock wall, over on the ninja stuff, jumping on a trampoline in the foam pit and like was loving it. And his mom, they, they she was like, he's, this is like, it, this is like the only place where he's like himself and is like a different person when he's here. And, uh, but they couldn't afford it. So I just comped him. I was like, just keep coming. Like it's good for him, obviously. Um, and what was cool is it was, it was cool to watch like uh, a group of kids that, you know, they're all trying to like accomplish, let's say like the salmon ladder and they're like eight years old and um, one kid gets it. And then all of them are like, okay, this is possible now. And they mm. all start getting it and they're like rooting each other on. They're like giving each other tips and like coaching each other through it and encouraging each other. Like this kid kind of bonded into that kind of group of, of kids and just again, became an incredible athlete over the course of the summer. But also uh, when he went back to school, his mom came in like the next day and was like in tears crying. And I'm like, are you okay? Like what's going on? And, uh, and she was like, yeah, he, um, he uh, went back to school and like the teachers called her and were like, what happened to this kid <laughs> over the course of one summer? He's a completely different person. He's like social. 
he's got like confidence. He's able to like communicate better. And, uh, and like, and she correlated it specifically to the gym, which is, um, again, it's, and that's like, we've had many, many stories like that, but I think that's what makes like dealing with all the bullshit and putting out fires constantly like worth it, um, to watch, like it actually change people's lives. It's a real um, impact. Yeah. yeah, it's cool. Like, and like, like next month I'm going to a wedding, um, of one of my good friends now that I met, uh, he was, became a member of the gym and then met one of the trainers at my gym and now they're getting married. Cool. <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's like a couple of those have happened. Like there's a lot of like really cool things that you, that you didn't really plan on that kind of just came to be, mm-hmm. um, the worst. Well, two, I guess I'll go with two. Um, the, we, and as you know, we had one kid on our ninja team who was, again, one of those like regulars. He's at the gym every day for hours. Um, insanely incredible athlete and just like a bright smiling kid. And just um, this past year just died um, like tragically. And that's that was difficult because, like I said, we're like a big tight knit family and a big culture that, you know, all these kids are all like best friends. They hang out on the weekends at the gym. They come to the classes during the weekdays at the gym. Like they go out to eat afterwards. Like they, they do sleepovers and whatnot, what kids do. Um, so they're all like very tight knit. So it's kind of, uh, it was hard being like this person that's trying to grow. We're not trying to, we have this atmosphere of like an amazing culture, family and community. And then when something like that happens, it's, it's hard to like educate the kids on like, mm. you know, things in life that happen and you got to keep going. Um, and, uh, so that was kind of hard, a hard like month of like trying to keep classes going and keep morale up when, you know, obviously it's like, it's a time to be down too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was yeah. kind of, that's, that's kind of a, yeah, a downer story, but one of the funnier ones that, well, it wasn't funny at the time. It's stressful as hell, but we had a guy come in. Um, he was like in his mid twenties. Right. So like competent enough or should be at least. Um, but like, way overconfident one of those people that's like not athletic like never like really trained anything but he's like full send just chuck shit right and this dude like we have like different leveled boxes and whatnot and this dude gets on top of an eight foot box and like throws his phone to his body he's like yo record this and just chucks himself off does like I, I can't even call them flips. He was like sideways in the air like it was like the most ridiculous he looked like he was just committing suicide and, <laughs> came down straight on concrete, right? No mat, no pad, anything. Just straight on concrete, right on his uh, right knee. And the knee just like exploded. Ugh. His femur shattered, like, fractured his femur. His knee was like in pieces. And uh, and the dude's like, oh man, that was epic. Like, I'm like, dude, <laughs> like your shit's fucked. Like, and I've got like a six-year-old's birthday party going on and I've got this guy in pieces on the ground, right? I'm like, oh my God. So like, we call 911, they take him out. And, uh, and he's like, I'll be back, I promise. I'm like, I hope not, man. I hope not. This is, this is wild. Bug out of the gym. Yeah, and his friends are like, yeah, he's that idiot. Like, he does that shit. I'm like, what the hell? He came in like a week later in a wheelchair. And I was like, what are you doing here? And he's like, oh, I'm to show you this. Like, And he's got staples, right, from his hip all the way down to his foot. It was oh like 185 God. staples. They had to like, yeah, he's got, he's like, I got like all these rods and plates and screws and stuff. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like, that was, that was pretty ridiculous. But kind oh, of. Uh, people's confidence sometimes is like 
wild. How's he going to tell that story? It's not like he got in a car accident. It's like, hey, <laughs> I'm kind of dumb, and sometimes I jump off stuff. Yeah, yeah. And one time I broke my whole leg. <laughs> yeah, I broke everything. <laughs> yeah, because a gym like that, I mean, I'm sure like any functional fitness type of gym, like there's certain risks, right? Like your gym kind of like, you're basically teaching people how to do risky stuff and, and not kill themselves. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, like you do like a clean and jerk, like, yeah, sure, that it's dangerous, but like not as dangerous as trying to do a flip off of a wall. Yeah, right. <laughs> or like you've got kids doing like, like we, um, they do this like wall walking on the trampolines where basically you bounce on your back and run up the wall. Like mm-hmm, in like Cirque du Soleil, they do this, a lot of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And our, the kids are getting wild. Like we've got 25 foot ceilings and they can run up the wall 25 feet and grab the rafters and then just <laughs> let go and like fall back, bounce on the trampoline. I'm like, dude, one of these, like, I'm like, dude, if you land on your neck, you're screwed. <laughs> and it's amazing. Like they're like, they're fearless. And uh, it's just, th- it's like a throwback to like, reminds me of when I was a kid, I was the same way. Um, but then I, I built this gym and I'm like, I'm going to be an acrobat. I'm going to get back into this stuff. And then I'm like, nah, dude, I'm, I'm good. I'll stay over here. I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some of the stuff I see when you guys post on social is like really high level, impressive stuff. Like some of the coaches or some of the kids and stuff that are over there. It's like wow. really impressive. Yeah, yeah. It's cool. And that's, that's what kind of sets us apart in like our birthday parties and stuff. Cause the coaches will at the end do like a demonstration of like crazy acrobatic stuff. And, uh, and it like gets the parents involved and like, kind of just like makes us, uh, not, not like a traditional party at like a sky zone or like a trampoline park, mm-hmm. not, like if you molded like the circus into it. <laughs> um, so that's cool. But yeah, there's, it's insane how incredibly athletic even the kids and like our staff is over at the gym. I think you told me one time what there was someone like there's kids doing like 30 minute dead hangs. Oh yeah. Dude, our ninja team, we did like, uh, at the end of the class, we had like, 10 minutes left in class. I'm like, all right, let's just do a dead hang challenge. And like 10 minutes goes by. I'm like, all right, we'll give them a couple more minutes. And these kids hung. I mean, they were able to shake out with one arm at a time. Right. Um, so, but we, even with that it's still wild at 30 minutes, like the parents are like, yo, it's getting late. Like you guys, you <laughs> tomorrow. And I'm like, yeah, but I really want to see what happens. And like, so finally we had to like, we had to be like, all right, guys get down. Um, Cause I don't know how long these kids, these kids could have gone. It, it was wild. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's that's hilarious because we think like a three minute is like sick yeah right they're doing i get past like yeah like it's like the gripper chipper from uh ocr stars was like if any of the kids from our team watched me do it they'd be like man you're not taking any coaching from you yeah (laughs) but uh yeah it's wild it's just like when that that age like their strength to weight ratio is so wild that like Mm -hmm. they can hang for days so that's kind of one of the cool aspects of of like bringing kids into this sport and then hopefully they, as they grow, they get into like hybrid racing, OCR and these different multifaceted sports and have like a ridiculous amount of strength going into it. It's like you're creating awareness for, for them anyway, where like we got it. I don't even know how some, like I saw like a magazine advertisement for yep. like a, an OCR event or something like that. And that's how, yeah. I, that's how I found it, you know, what were birthday parties like with you growing up? Like where did you have birthday parties or like, where would your friends have birthday parties? Uh, I think like the traditional, like we do like laser tag parties and laser like, tag. yeah, like um, trampoline parks weren't really a thing. No, I've never been to one even. Really? No, not yeah. too. I'm too old and scared now. I hear you. I want to do one with a basketball rim. But yeah, that's what I want. All right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think we did like a lot of like house parties mm. growing up. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, we did like batting cages. Yeah, done that. Stuff like that. And then, like, uh, th- I think this is probably when you were younger, like roller skating rinks and stuff. Yep. <laughs> yeah, a lot of that. Those were a lot of like field trips too. Mm-hmm. Do you get field trips? We did in school. Oh, do we uh, get? Yeah, 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 we do at the gym. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, not not like super often, but I'd say we probably do fifteen a year or something like that. Something, not bad. Um, yeah, those are fun. Yeah, what's nice about those is you can get them during the day when we're typically closed. So, oh right, anytime we can get big big parties in off hours is like key during the week. Yeah, always say yes. Hmm. Um, well, cool, Mark. Well, this is great, super fun. Thanks for coming on, being honest, chatting about the business and the athletic side of things. So we'll see you in New Jersey. Check you out at uh, for the Deck Affiliate events if you're in the area. Because is there any gyms even west of you that have Deck Affiliates? Um, is there anything like Reading or anything? I, I don't think. No, so. I don't think that direction. I know, like um, my buddy Mike St. George, uh, his gym has some events. They're about an hour from us. Yeah, uh, and then like any, there's an Anytime Fitness. What's his name? Jason Silva. Uh, runs them at an Anytime Fitness in Delaware, which is right around an hour away. Mm-hmm. There's so, a guy in Yardley who's doing some. Yeah. And I mean, so the affiliates, um, when you affiliate, they also um, kind of give you a radius. So like no one else can host them within a 30 mile radius. Oh, cool. Um, so whether that's going to stay true or not, we'll see. As Probably they, not. Yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> think so. Money is money, I guess. But um, so, yeah, I think uh, for now we're, we have like our own little like space. That is nice. That's what, that's what CrossFit really ignored. They would let people just yeah. open up across the street from each other. Right. They're just like, whatever, be a better gym. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Do better. Uh, we'll make sure to link to your socials, to, to you and to i and the whole deal. So I appreciate you popping on, man. We yeah, appreciate it, man. It's great talking to you.